All right, it is May 7th of 2020. We are back. The boys are back. It feels like we have not had a show in a while. When was the last time we recorded? Last Monday. Last Monday. Last Monday, yeah, so and today is Thursday. Ooh, we have a little a little brunch session here on a Thursday kind of afternoon, but when you wake up at the time that I wake up at, it's uh it's like breakfast time still. So all right, we're back at it, Motown Rundown. Uh, obviously, still not in the studio, as you can tell, because the audio is probably crappy, but we're trying our best. We're still here, so now it's time for a quarantine check. How's everyone doing? Trent, we'll start with you. How is life? Are you are you still uh, plugging along, keeping the vibes positive? What's going on? Yeah, uh, plugging along. Probably shouldn't disclose this information, but I was just telling you I got my grades back. Not as great as I thought they'd be. I'm, I'm yeah, fine. I'm fine. But, you know, so that kind of ruined my day already. But um, Thank know, God we'll, for we'll, pass fail. Yeah, seriously, though. I, I, I was telling Rabs, like, I'm thinking about it for some – I don't know. I don't, I don't want to be that guy, though. I don't want to use the fail safe. Yeah, I think dude, it's kind of a fail it. safe. Earn your, earn your jacket. Don't I use it? I, come on! I use it for two of my grades. Don't, don't grow up. <laughs> don't be afraid to use it. Yeah. Stop. I'm thinking I'm going to use it for two as well. But we'll 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 figure that out. I don't know. I'm doing well. Me and the brothers hanging in there. Um, yeah, I don't know. Starting to go out a little more, which probably is not good. But dude, I'll tell you, being in East Lansing for for those who don't know, I officially graduated last week. That's things things that have happened since uh, we last spoke. I am now a college graduate somehow. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. Don't love it. But East Lansing was it ever buzzing on Saturday? Like I, if you ever you want to talk about people that are uh, ground zero or I guess the epitome of of the lack of social distancing that people are getting worked up about. Take a little trip to East Lansing because it's not going very well. And that's the thing about these age groups is if you're like a high schooler, if you're in middle school, all this is going on, you're living the dream. You don't have school. You're playing Xbox all day long with your buddies. You guys are just like playing zombies on Call of Duty all day long. High schoolers, little tough because you're still under your parents' wing. They're like, you're not going out and hanging with friends. I get it. Adults, they're doing their own thing. Like if, you're, if your parents are cool, they're having friends over, socially distanced like bonfires and drinking – this age, the 18 to 22, 23 age range, like people are just going nuts. I think everyone's like kind of forgot about the virus and like people are just out hanging out. There's cops driving around East Lansing like, hey guys, can you, you know, like at least make it look like you're trying to socially distance. It's not going well. It's just, this is the age range where it's like we're getting a little dicey here. People are getting risky. They're out there. I think people are getting sick of the quarantine stuff. But, but like at the same time, like if – are they really being risky? Like, come on. They're all hanging out with a bunch of 21-year-olds after they all have probably been quarantined for, like, three weeks. Like, Yeah, no, but it's, again, the whole the whole thing with the social distance is, you know, if if person X goes out to Meyer, gets coughed on, boom, they got it. Now they're hanging out with 15 dudes with their shirts off on the corner of Charles Street up here. And it gets, yeah, gets passed around. You know, that's the thing. But I – dude, I'll tell you, I, like, I'm – it's just kind of getting ridiculous of like sitting inside. I'm getting sick of it. I'm doing my best. I wash my hands like nobody's business. I wear my mask when I go to Meyer. I got the gloves on the whole nine yards. I really don't see that many people, but there's been a couple times where I've been towing the line. I'm not going to lie. I went over to a friend's yesterday just to hang out. Like, yeah, I mean, my na- my neighbors are one of my better friends, so we've been hanging out every once in a while and stuff. But, like, I don't know. I'm at the point, like, I know it's like – I'm gonna get like shamed or something, but I'm at the point where I'm really like, who cares? Like, if I get it, you I want do. it. 
bring no, it. No, I don't. It's not like I want it. I'm at the point where I'm like, I don't really know what else we can do. <laughs> like, yeah. like, like I understand we got to be like live a little bit differently until we actually have a vaccine. But at the point now, like in a month or in three weeks, when the cases are so low, which they're going to be in the next like couple weeks, they're gonna keep going down. I'm assuming. Because I think there's, like, what, 400 cases in Michigan, like, now, like, currently, like, new ones. Like, once it's, like, under 100, like, what like what are we going to do? Like, we might as well start, like, it just, sort it of, just, like, reliving our, like, life. Yeah, good for them. Good for the good for the Florida people. But I, I – see, that's the thing is I was getting into some weird rabbit holes last night real late on YouTube of, like, all these conspiracy theories. And now I'm, like – Let's just revolt. Like, what's I want to, you know, I might be marching to the Capitol. I was big, like, don't go to the cat. That stuff is ridiculous, though. No, that's you stupid. To, you don't need to bring your AR-16 to the, or whatever. The, you know, that's a, a little outrageous. But I don't know, man. I hear you. I like, but that's the thing is, I, I'm I'm just baffled as to how there keeps, like, being new cases. Like, I don't even hear about this thing anymore. I also no, don't yeah, watch the news. Saying. I don't know. I'm an idiot, though. Like my, yeah, that's I, yeah. Full yeah. yeah. Disclaimer: I'm like not yeah. that's like smart. So full disclosure: I'm in a very but like fortunate bubble. Like I'm not like these people who like, would like people who are like poor and older in nursing homes are like more susceptible to this thing. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's, like we're our target. Like we're probably fine. Like honestly, we're probably gonna be fine. But at the same time, it, it is selfish. I hope so. Well, it is. And I, one of my buddies was saying to me yesterday, it's one of those cases of, you know, you don't care until someone, you know, gets affected by, you know, or you lose a family member, then, you know, then your whole perception changes, which is totally fair. I get it. And that's, it is completely selfish and ignorant of us to be like, oh yeah, I'll just go outside and whatever. But, but I want to, I'm not going to lie. I'm at the point where I like, I want to. Yeah. Hey, at least the at least it's been nice out. It's supposed to be like horrible this weekend, but you playing any golf over there, Collins? I got a couple rounds in, couple rounds of nine. Yet to play golf since this has started. And really, uh, yeah, I've been trying to find a job since like I I don't have anything to do right now. Go stock shelves in Meyer. Yeah, that sounds horrible. So, well, that's the thing is now you're tipping the line of you obviously want to make some money. It's it's been nice of my family members to send me grad money, and I think you know. Part of it is obviously a celebration of like, oh, congrats, you graduated. But I'm the other side of the coin is I need this money to survive now because I am I am not currently employed at the moment. Stimulus because of this virus. Are you so, at the point where you gotta go home soon? No, I well that I <laughs> I was home. I went home on because I graduated technically on Saturday. I spent some time up here enjoying the weather. You know, tossing back a couple dad waters, do, doing what we had to do. And then Sunday I went home for dinner and I came back up to East Lansing on Wednesday. Cause again, I'm just trying to maximize time up here before I hopefully get the call for my actual big boy job. Like, Hey, we need you to come back. So I was home and things were great. I was just crushing food. I probably put back all the weight on that. I was actually losing during quarantine. How are you down to two Oh eight? Probably those numbers are probably back up a little bit, but thankfully at the moment, cause dude, that's the thing. I'm not even spending money up here. I'm like eating like old pieces of bread that I just find around my house in East Lansing. And I'm totally fine with that. I got a couple cans of tuna that have been getting me through uh, the weeks. Yeah. So eventually I do have to go grocery shopping and get some new stuff. But thankfully I'm not at the point where it's like, I got to tap out. It's, it's time to go home. What, so that's, what have that's you guys been nice. watching like during quarantine? Like, Family what, like, guy every day. Really? 
Only thing that gets me out of bed is Family Guy. Does Family Guy still hold up? Like yes, back when dude, I was like it's just so funny. Se- yeah, but like, <laughs> when, I, when I was like in seventh grade, I was like, "This is the funniest show I've ever seen in my entire life." And then I kind of went through a phase. Was like, eh, "Family Guy's on TBS every single day. I don't really like it that much." Hysterical. Dude. There's there's a time it. and a place for Family Guy. I feel like because it, it, not really a time and a place. But you got to be in the right mood. If you're in the right mood, every it's day. always great. Every day, dude. I see, but, yeah, but it's me, all it's, it's all pop culture like references from like yeah. 2007. Like sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to get that joke about <laughs> Avril Lavigne because I don't remember it. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, that and the last sometimes. dance, the last dance on Sundays. Oh. That's like the biggest thing. But the biggest thing in my week is like I got to lock in at 9 p.m. I, on Sunday. This is crazy because I'm an absolute basketball junkie. I am so unlocked in on the last dance. After really? after Rodman and the Bad Boys, I'm like, okay, I don't really give a shit what the rest of this is. Dude, like, it's just, it's, it I, I am, do. I am, but it's like, I don't really care. Like, cool. I've heard the story of this Dream Team scrimmage 80 times. I do not need to hear it again so we can flaunt Michael Jordan out again like he was Sounds the like greatest player on that court, <laughs> which he was. But whatever. I don't know. Sounds I like say it jealous. wasn't there. Dude, the best part about this whole thing, I have a couple of friends that are LeBron, like, stands, And I honestly don't care. Like, I really, yeah. like, I, I, like, sort of don't like LeBron. But, like, I realize he's a very good person. He's probably the best basketball yeah. player I've ever seen in my lifetime. But I just, like, the needle at my friends. I'm like, yeah, dude. Jordan yeah, would never like let that, that happen. Jordan would <laughs> never let that happen. And my buddy's like getting all mad. And he's like, yeah, dude, Jordan would have been like Langston Galloway. Like, I just love needling at this stuff. <laughs> yeah, you would have. You like to be the enforcer. It's not even that. It's just uh, like people get so worked up about it. I don't get it. I'm yeah, like, I do. <laughs> I get fired up. The one thing I've learned from this is that Jordan actually had like unreal teams that he was winning rings with. And like, that's, if there's one thing that put things in perspective, it's like, wow, LeBron's teams, a lot of his teams pretty bad compared to what Jordan had to work with. I mean, well, to me, that's what I told my family on Sunday. No, no, no. Listen, it's not, if anything, this documentary is just showing me how great the bulls were, which is awesome. They were, they they were, they're the greatest team ever. Michael Jordan. No, (laughs) that's why they were so great. We can, Guys, we can couldn't, win until, couldn't win until Pippen and, and Rodman came along. That's it. It's about it. What are you talking about? They won three titles without Rodman. Well, I'm saying with Rodman, it obviously helped. But Pippen, Jordan needed a number two guy. Does LeBron need a number two guy? No. Yes. <laughs> he does. Listen, listen. He won a title with Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and then he won with Kyrie, who arguably had one of the best offensive performances in, like, finals history. Okay, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna and say this, us. and then we can move on. I'm gonna say this, then we can move on because we're not gonna get into it. In Why 1993, in 1993, <laughs> the Chicago Bulls won 57 games. Yes. In 1994, when Michael Jordan retired and Scottie Pippen was the best player, they won 55 games. Yeah, and they, they won lo- two they last lo- games. Did they did they go to the finals? They lost to Patrick Ewing in the Knicks. Yes, I'm just saying. Full disclosure. Uh, the Bulls were like that. Well, also the Bulls were better that year because they also had Horace Grant. Like you yeah. look back at the year after when Jordan comes like midseason, and they're like basically five hundred, and then they lose in the I think in the East semis to Orlando. Whatever. Let's not talk nineties basketball. Even though I have been yeah, they lost to Shaq. Yeah, I've been going down a nineties like basketball loophole. Just like watching things and. Because it, it is interesting. The last dance is, like, very interesting. Like, because 
you hear all this like narrative and stuff about like what was going on then, but you kind of like get like you feel immersed to what yeah. like people felt like during that time. Like the whole like Jordan politics then, like you always hear stuff about like, oh, Jordan didn't say anything. And I was like, I don't really get like where that came from. And you're like, oh, that's where it came from, where he accidentally kind of endorsed a really bad person. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was like, oh, Jordan's gambling. That's always just kind of been a rumor. No, there's actual factual evidence that he is gambling with a lot of bad people. <laughs> like, yeah. like, this is fantastic. He has a co- uh, competitive addiction, not a gambling addiction, or whatever his, that, whatever his backdoor that, way of explaining that. He has the biggest gambling addiction, I think, in America. That, not, that documentary just, like, confirmed it to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, me too. Like, he definitely goes on a golf course. He's like 100,000. Eight, yeah. Each nine. Each nine. Yeah. Ah. All right. I try to maybe one of these days you can enjoy the last dance as like an objective bystander and not get your feelings involved. That's there's nothing else to watch on TV. Well, this I, Korean, I, the Korean baseballs on ESPN. Now I could couldn't care less. I'm not gonna sit down and watch Korean baseball. Wait, I would. I would. I, I would watch the KBO if it wasn't on at like four in the morning. I, I have something to tell you guys based on like Uh-oh. it, it, it kind of falls in this. So Brock texts me and my brothers in a family group chat, whatever, this morning, and he says Dixon Machado is on the Lot Giants in the Korean no basketball organization, and Chad Bell and Warwick Saffold are both on the Hanwha Eagles. Whoa, so, I might awesome. be an Eagles fan. Couple former Tigers. Might be an Eagles fan. <laughs> I am I'm a big Saffold, Ward Saffold. He got guys yeah. out, even though he was like thrown eighty-five. <laughs> yeah, and his name was Warwick. It's awesome. But, yeah, I just wanted to let you guys know that. You might have a little rooting interest I, in the KBL. I, whatever the teams that saw pull on, I'm on. I was a big saw pull guy. I was like, this guy can get guys out in, like, the sixth and seventh inning. Okay, so that, that for you would be the Hanwha Eagles. That's your team, Collins. I've been thinking about betting it, but I'm like, I can't do that. Like, Come I, on, dude. I, I'm not going to let you. That's, <laughs> out. That's ridiculous. If it was on at a reasonable time, I would be doing it. I would say that. But, like, I'm not a complete sociopath or I'm going to wake <laughs> well, up. Well, and don't you, don't you feel like you need to have some, some basis of knowledge about the league before you bet on it or no? Not really. No. <laughs> bet the numbers. Bet the number, not the team. That's, That's how, how I get my basis rolls. of knowledge. So watching it and losing money. Okay. All right. Fair. That's actually true. Yeah. That's right. All right. We'll we'll shelve our Korean baseball talk for the week, uh, and we'll we'll move back into America here with the Lions. Obviously, we talked last time about uh, rounds two through seven in the draft. You can go listen to those episodes. We did a whole episode based on the Lions' first pick in the draft being Jeff Okuda. That was two weeks ago. But uh, some Lions news for you. This week, Lions not picking up the fifth-year option on Jared Davis's contract. Obviously, the first-round pick in 2016. He started all 41 games at middle linebacker for the Lions. 259 tackles and 10 sacks. Now, the rumor mill is that the Lions are still quite interested in signing Jared Davis, but the whole thing about not picking up – I think if they picked up his option, they would have had to pay him like $10 million and not many – Inside linebackers, I don't think in the league make ten million dollars, and he certainly did not deserve the money. So I don't know. I, I think this was something that we talked about the Lions even potentially cutting Jared Davis this year was a possibility. But I wouldn't mind bringing him back for a lower number. I don't think Jared Davis had much of a comment on the issue, but uh, uh, Matt Patricia still seems to feel like that Jared Davis is going to be a part of the future here as far as the linebacking core. But I don't know. Well, do we like the move? How are we feeling? Well, the direct quote was basically like, we're still building our defense around Jared. 
Like it, I, I don't know if Patricia said it, but it was someone in the Lion organization or it was, it, it came from some source that like, Hey, we're still confident in Davis. Yeah. I think it like, was Patricia. Was it? Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, you guys know how I feel. I mean, Davis is not, he's a flawed player. He just is. And it's not saying that he's not productive and he can't be productive. He's just a flawed player. And like Patricia said, if you build him around with some linebackers who have some versatility, who can cover a little bit, then I see it. Then I'm like, hey, go, go and pay him like his number. Because when he is in on the run and whenever they let him loose on like blitzing, he seems to be a pretty productive player. And you can see the talent. It's just something about pass coverage where he can't, the mind and body just don't work together. And he, he just, I, I, he's a flawed player. I, if you're not paying, you just got to know that going in. You're not going to, don't ask him for too much. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think what, what's Jared Davis' best asset? It's rushing the quarterback, getting in the backfield a little bit. And what were the Lions all-time horrible at last year, getting Man. to the quarterback pass rush? So if you're able to and, – and they're trying to do this by signing guys like, you know, the, the Ragland guy and uh, Elijah Lee, Lee drafting Julian O'Quara, um, if you're able to put him with some of these guys who are a little bit better in coverage and – you know, better up the middle and stuff like that, then there's definitely a place for Jared Davis on the team. You know, he's athletic as hell. He He's made good plays in his career, obviously. he's what, This is going to be, what, his fourth season? So I definitely think – I'm not looking too much into it at this point. I think they'll bring him back. I just, like you said, Rabs, I don't think they wanted to pay him $10 million. So, I mean, we'll see. He still has to perform this year because, you know, he's still under contract for this season. So we'll see how I, it goes. I'll say this, though. I don't think he's back after this year. I don't. I, I think if you're – I think what they're doing is the correct move. We're going to be like, hey, we're not going to pay you some sort of substantial, like, bonus for production that you haven't given us the last yeah. couple of years. And you've also – he's also kind of been an injury liability. Like, he, he's been a guy – last year was his second year, right? Was that the only time he was hurt? Last year was his third year. Okay, he was hurt and for, I like, think, what, yeah. a month? So, I mean, yeah, maybe not he's an injury liability, but – He's only missing but, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's a concern. No, I, yeah, but I, I, I think I misspoke on that. But I, I, if I'm the Lions, you're doing it exactly what Rab said. Hey, if you want to bring him in on a lower number, that's the right move. But if someone's going to outbid him, see you later. Like, yeah. I, I think there's a reason they brought in a lot of linebacker help because they realize the limitations of Davis. And I think if they get outbid, they're not going to be so gung-ho about anting up. So I, I, I really think this is probably his last year in a Detroit Lions uniform. Yeah, I, I forgot to mention Jamie Collins as well, but that's another guy that obviously he's pretty solid. You bring him in. I always then... forget about him, even though he's probably like their biggest signing this offseason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Me too. I, I forget about him too. It's like it's not necessarily it's a forgettable signing. I just – I don't know. We're, we're A lot's riding on that signing too, by the way. We paid him – what do we pay him? I don't know. We didn't pay him that much. Not like we played Trey Flowers because there's still a lot riding on that. I mean, again, oh, he did have a good end of the year. But I think the thing with Davis that, that kind of sucks is, he, again, you spend a first-round pick on him. I think people were pretty juiced up about the pick when we took him in 2016. Pick um, Ruben Foster. Yeah. and you know, I get, <laughs> Thank God um, we didn't pick that guy. No, yeah. Uh, is he still in the league? There's no way. I don't know. I think he's in uh, Washington, but I think he got hurt. 
Gotcha. But I, I think Collins set up pretty well as far as you just were kind of looking for things out of Jared Davis that he wasn't really capable of. And, and middle linebacker position, you know, it's pretty blatantly obvious. That's a huge piece of your defense. It's the, it's the leader of your defense. Um, and for him not to be able to cover. And that's one thing that I just don't think will ever get better with Jared Davis. You're just asking Same. something from him that it's just not going to happen. So as you guys have all hit on, if you can surround him, that's what they're trying to do is surround him with the guys that can be more versatile on the outside or even help him out. I mean, look, Jelani Tavai played fine on the inside as well last year. So, I mean, that's Jared Davis. I think he understands, or at least I hope he understands that, he doesn't deserve that $10 million number that was supposed to be there if they picked up his option. So we'll see. It's a big year for him, obviously. And I wouldn't mind the Lions keeping him around. I don't think it's it's time to throw the towel in on him. But you have to – if you're going to build your defense around Jared Davis, well, like, let's get people in on the quarterback. That's And that's, again, a, a big year for him. When do you turn Jared Davis loose and let him get to the quarterback or stuff the run, he can do a good job at it. But he's just simply not the versatile middle linebacker that – allows him to, to deserve his $10 million. But, I mean, I guess another player, too, that's being looked at as you're reading reports on is the Lions apparently in talks with Mike Daniels to come back. I don't even know how many games we saw Mike Daniels play last year for the Lions. It wasn't very, very many. Um, but that's a guy, too. Do we – I mean, how do you feel about bringing him back? Is it worth your time and money to, to just plug up the – I mean, the defensive tackle position for the Lions is, is going to be a – Something you got to keep an eye on as the year goes on, because I'm not as confident going into this season as I'd like to be as far as that position group. But would you bring Mike Daniels back for the right number? Well, I, I'll throw it right back to you. He, they're going to get him cheap, right? Like, there's not they, like, they should. He didn't, he didn't yeah. do anything last year. He, he was basically hurt the whole year, and when he was healthy, he really wasn't, like, healthy. He wasn't that productive. So they're going to get him back cheap. I think it's more of a depth move, which they need. So I don't really care. He seemed to be a serviceable player for the Green Bay Packers. I think he made like a Pro Bowl once. Did he? I, I don't know. Like he, he had some. Yeah, yeah. He had some pretty good years for he, Green Bay. He made Bay. a Pro Bowl in 2017. But he's obviously like on a downswing of his like career. But if you're to get him cheap, you need defensive tackle depth. And they didn't really address it in the draft like I would have liked them to do. So you might as well bring Mike Daniels back. Yeah, to that exact point. Okay, so he played nine games last year, and, and he only had ten total tackles in nine games. Not great. Uh, but he was hurt and stuff. The amount of snaps he's playing weren't, weren't very uh, weren't but he's a like lot a guy, to, you know, get stuff done. He's like a guy like snats. I know he's a little bit litter and little and more mobile. He's a guy who just stuffs up the middle. Like that's more of his like role in yeah. comparing to tackles. And he, you you definitely should have more production like that. But having a guy in a rotation who has that ability a little bit, like he's a, he used to be a quick guy off the ball. But if you got a guy who can just like hold a guard and a a guard and a center in their lane and let your linebacker do the work, get downhill. It's a nice piece to have. And you saw Snats, his first year in Detroit, was able to do that really well. And the defense was able to feast off that a little bit. So, I mean, Mike Daniels, I'm not saying is at the caliber Snats was the year before last, but, I mean, they just need pieces. They didn't address the defensive line at all like I thought they would in the offseason. Completely agree because the fact of the matter is, like, regardless how we all felt about snacks, he's gone and he played a lot of snaps for this team. So there's a hole there. And then A'shaun Robinson, that. you let him walk. Yeah, that's like they, you just let depth go. They have no depth, yeah. and even no, if they weren't, none. they weren't good last year. I understand that. Like you're still relying a whole lot on Deshaun Hand, who was not able to stay healthy at all last year. 
So yeah, it, and and I know the Lions run this whole three four thing. So I mean that plays into it too because you technically only have one D tackle. But I don't know if you guys looked at that little that sheet I sent you guys of like the roster oh, yeah. and what it's probably going to look like. We're looking at obviously the two guys we drafted, and then Danny Shelton, and then Nick Williams from the Bears we drafted. I feel, uh, I Kevin Strong is a guy who's been up and down, but there is no depth there. Collins, that's exactly what you're saying. Like, I, well, I completely agree. There's zero depth. So if you bring Mike Daniels back, that's at least a name who you've seen have, you know, production when he's healthy. And you can plug him in because he also knows the defense already. Now, here's the deal. You paid him $9 million last year, I think, to play nine games. You played him a million yeah. a game uh, to, to be mediocre. So Must if they can nice. get him for cheap, why not? Yeah, you, you have to. The problem is the Lions need production and depth. Well, I mean, I did, I forgot, dude. I just have forgotten all their free agent signings because all that stuff seems like a million years ago. What was that like? The first week of quarantine? Yeah. Well, I was um, the first. Danny the Shelton? first couple moves. Yeah, the Danny Shelton and the Nick Williams were like the first couple moves they made. Yeah, like I. That seems like a lifetime ago. It was probably like what, like a month and a half ago. Like I, that's something that I probably shouldn't well, yeah, lose. Yeah, day it is. But I, I, was, I mean, oh, Desmond Serfant too. That was the other one that happened. Yeah. Earlier. Yeah. I just – I like Danny Sheldon, and Danny Sheldon's kind of plays that role that Will Fork did for New England for a long time and what Snatch was supposed to do. So I I, didn't, I forgot about Danny Sheldon. I swear, dude, Washington just has so many random pros. Like, wa- Washington is the king of random. Like, oh, he went to Washington? Wow. Okay. Yeah, I think you made that comparison last week when you were talking about how TCU had so many picks this year and they stunk. It's like Washington. Yeah, Washington is the yeah. king of going seven and five and having two first round picks every year. It doesn't make any sense to me. I guess the last thing we can do for Lions, uh, the some some breaking news coming out of the rumor mill. Of, I guess the, is the NFL schedule supposed to come out today as we're recording this? Yeah, I don't know. Well, not not as we're recording this. Well, I'm just yeah. I'm saying. Oh, on you, the mean, day. you mean today? Yeah. Yes. Um, but today, uh, I'm, it looks I'm the like. Seventh. Yeah. However, however, this was leaked that apparently the Lions are set to play the Bears Week One at home at Ford Field. I'm assuming that's going to be on. I think it's September 10th. Maybe is like the Sunday when I have no idea uh, whether or not there will be a game or if there will. There probably won't be fans. Who knows? Um, but I, it's always fun to Don't do the whole like. like that. Well, oh, okay. Sorry. Let's be positive. There's going to be fans, and it's going to be awesome. Sixty-five thousand strong in Ford Field on September 10th. Trent, did that? Trent, did that? Sorry to cut you off, but Trent, did they? When do you have to commit to season tickets? You can do it whenever, kind of. Like I already committed to it back, like as soon as the season ended, I renewed. So then I've been making payments and stuff. But they, they said, I mean, they haven't said anything so far about how a reimbursement process would go. So I don't think. I think they're optimistic, but. Obviously, if the season doesn't happen, I better get my money back. Well, will you be one of those guys who – because I think a lot of people are doing this where the next year, like, you get a 30% credit for next year. Yeah, yeah. You get – it gets a little – you get a little cheaper. You can move up a little bit. Would That's you how, do like, that? I mean, process works. you would do that, though, right? You wouldn't get – yeah. or would you take your money out immediately? I mean, it depends what kind of financial situation – we'll cross that bridge we get to it, I guess. <laughs> I'm not exactly love, swimming in funds, but I love playing the game of before the year when you do the the patented Ryan Collins term of mental gymnastics of why the Lions are going to win 12 games. So I'm excited for the schedule to come out today because I'm gonna I'm gonna text games. you guys like, dude, I'm like I see 12 I see 12 wins here. <laughs> but I think hey, week one, I don't know who the Bears are starting week one because I think they didn't pick up uh, Trubisky's fifth year either. 
the Bears. Well, they weren't going to. I mean, I with Foles and Trubisky, it's going to be interesting. I'm assuming Trubisky starts the year. It's going to be like, hey, dude, this is your last yeah. chance. Yeah, like three games in, if they're not 3-0, and it's going to be Nick Foles the rest of the year. They're going to make the playoffs somehow. Yeah. You know, I what I what another thing, too, that I was reading all these things about, you know, which – which NFC teams got the biggest chance to make the jump from worst to first? It might be the Lions, guys. Oh my it might God. be the Lions. Well, I think, oh yeah, God. they have the best this, chance oh of all the teams yeah. who finished last. I mean, <laughs> okay. The Cardinals, I think, are also another team. Did they get last in their division? They had to, right? They're with the Rams, Seahawks, and Niners. Yeah, they, they – sure. Dude, this the, is why I mean, Lions, Lions Twitter have... stinks. Oh, my yeah. God. Well uh, – uh, okay. Yeah, Fair. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying, but at the same time, I like. Why do we even discuss this? I don't like. Let's let's focus on them just making the playoffs and having a chance to win. That's oh, all. Like competing, yeah, competing okay, for okay. a playoff Fair. spot. I, I guess if is I that what you care that, about? Dude, no, that's, for a that's what spot. that's what Martha said. And at some point, it's like, damn it, Martha, just say you got to make the playoffs or you're fired. But yeah. no, she didn't say that. Can't say that. But yeah, worst well, to first of all the teams who were the worst in the NFC. I, I I don't can't do it off the top of my head. But the Cardinals, the thing is, is like they might be better than the Lions this year, but they're not going to win their division because they play with the Seahawks, Rams, and 49ers. Yeah, that division's and, and look, loaded. And the NFC North is like okay. I mean, you know, the Packers got their whole situation going on. I don't think they're a very good team. I think they're kind of fluky. Obviously, they won 13 games last year, but, like, the games they lost were bad. So, that's a little alarming. And then I, the Bears and the Bears and Vikings, like, I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the NFL's That was weird, the most so. mad analysis ever, by the way. But we're not getting into it. The, I'm, we're not getting into it. I just will never, like, be like the, the Lions that ever go from anything to first place because they've never basically ever – they never ever had a home playoff game since I've been alive, so I like I can't even fathom yeah. them winning a division. Collins, when are you gonna when are you gonna be in on the Lions? If they're if they're seven and one in week eight, are you in? You got. I'll be, be in. I'll be in week <laughs> one. I'm just saying. I'll be in week one. It doesn't matter. It's just the off season. The last couple of years have been so discouraging. Like because I think once they fired Caldwell, I was like, okay, they're not like. They're not after like a first-class organization, and then they go right back to six and ten. When you're trying to make it like a jump and you go completely bad, I've just kind of been like mad at the Lions ever since then. I'm like, this stinks. Yeah. Like, I think what, if, what, the, if the Lions lose week one, it would be absolutely deflating. What? <laughs> my, optimi- my optimism would just completely fade away because I'm like, oh, here we go. This is, this is bad. You need to beat the Bears week one. If, if my sources are correct. The best two seasons of my lifetime, the Lions won week one. So I'm, I, I need, no, I, I, like need I need that week one win. I feel like when the Lions start at home, they usually win, other than the Jets game. That was so bad. Oh, my God. Yikes. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do our uh, – we can go back to our little game here that we've been doing the last couple – well, we haven't done it in like two weeks. Our uh, most iconic Detroit players by the numbers – or our numbers – 41 through 50, or as Ryan Collins plays the game, his favorite player is to have these numbers. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I I don't know if we're prepared, but I'm so glad I was telling Trent earlier, Collins, that I prepared to do 31 through 50 when we did this like two or three weeks ago. So I didn't have to go find new numbers today, which was awesome. But, um, I think we did 40. I think we all had Zetterberg. Trent, maybe you had someone different. 
No, I had Zetterberg. I mentioned oh, Lane Beer, but I had Zetterberg. Oh, yeah. It's, okay, good. Uh, okay, so let's surprised kick it you off didn't here. mention Phil Coke there. Oh, that's right. I'm more of a Pepsi guy. That's one of, one of my favorite jokes to tell about Phil Coke. More of a Pepsi Jesus. guy. Okay, number 41, most iconic Detroit players by the numbers. Or, again, if you're Ryan Collins, your favorite players with the number. Number 41 for me, Daryl Evans. Saw Daryl Evans. I was in a spring training game huh? with the Cubs. Daryl Evans, Tigers. You know who Daryl Evans is? I know, you know who Victor Evans Martinez is. is. Yeah, what? Dude, ask the what old heads. Daryl Evans. Daryl Evans is. Dude, don't do not try to sell me that Victor Martinez is more popular or iconic than Daryl Evans is. Ask the old heads. He was ask better. Dad, Collins. Ask <laughs> yeah, dad. and my dad will ask say dad. Victor Martinez was better because Victor Martinez came in second in the MVP as yes. a DH. Dude, the last three years of Victor Martinez's career, everyone wanted him gone. Everyone hated Victor Martinez. When he was batting 225 and couldn't – You had to hated pay everybody. The you had stopped. to pay him. You had to pay <laughs> you him. Had to pay I know. <laughs> I know. I'm saying, Daryl, I'm making the argument that Daryl Evans is a more iconic Tigers player of all time than Victor Martinez. Yeah, you can say that, but Victor Martinez was his better. And I liked him better. I liked I saw, I met. I, I think I shook Daryl Evans' hand in Arizona at a Cubs spring training game. He was getting – that's when I got my – oh, I got an autograph from, from Bill Buckner. May he rest in peace at the, at the Cubs spring training facility. Dude, like Victor Martinez had the weirdest Tigers career because I think they brought him over, won a division, and then lost immediately in the ALDS to the Rangers. And then he gets hurt, and they make the Prince move. And then you're like, oh, I just kind of forgot about Victor. He was all right. And then he comes back and is absolutely gross. He was so – he, like, when he was, like, healthy, he was disgusting for the Tigers. And he was good, gross. Yeah, good He good was an disgusting. all-time Tiger killer. Killer, excuse me, for the Indian, Indians. I was about to say, like, the Indiana. Like, Indiana. <laughs> yeah. But the, I meant the Cleveland Indians. Sorry. Yeah. All right. So oh, I, I guess, Thomas, was... are you going B-Mart too, Trent? Obviously. It was VDH on all those good teams, except ironically the 2012 team that went to the World Series. But I mean, he he probably I, the Tigers might win the World Series in 2012 if he's there. I mean, he was that good. He was that good of a hitter. Like you so, said, I mean, he yeah, second in MVP voting in 2014 he for was the American nasty. League as a designated hitter. That's pretty solid. I don't know. I, think he, I love V Mart specifically I do that too. 2014 year too. It was his last good year, but that year was so fun because that was the last year the Tigers were kind of good. Yeah. And he was just – I mean, Miggy was in and out of the lineup every day. He always had something going on. V-Mart was always there. Rock steady, I'll say baby. this. I'll say this. Victor Martinez, I think, is the most, like, undervalued guy on all those teams. When you, like, look back and you're, like, you think about all the just, like, stars, like, sheer star power those teams had, like, you don't think of Victor Martinez. You're kind of like, oh, he was just there. He was arguably probably their second or third best hitter every single time he was in the was lineup when healthy. He was nasty. So – I, I don't think Victor Martinez gets the credit he deserves for how good those Tigers teams were. All right, let's go to number 42 now. My guy, I have what, one of my first Pistons jerseys ever, Jerry Stackhouse. Stack. <laughs> I am too, Jerry Stackhouse. My dad calls him Jerry Crackhouse. Not not because of anything, just because it sounds like that. But That's an all-time dad yeah. joke. It rhymes, yeah. yeah it kind Jerry of Stackhouse, more like Jerry Crackhouse. Like, why was he involved in the Crackhouse? Like, no, just his no, name no, like it just sounds oh, like okay. yeah. Forty-two yep. though, really, he really popularized the number forty-two in basketball. He did. I like, think did James, Jackie James, Robinson. I can't even tell you other guys that wore forty-two. Did James Worthy wear forty-two? Yeah. Did he? 
Forty yeah, something. The Lakers, yeah. Okay. Other than that, what a bad number. Like he made it look fine, but I'm just like, what a terrible number. It's Jackie Robinson's number. Yeah, well, he's the only one who's ever worn it well. It wor- it works in baseball. It looks yeah. sick in baseball. The it Brooklyn does. Dodgers forty two jersey is like arguably the coolest jersey in sports history. Pretty iconic. Jerry Stackhouse sure. though, two All Star appearances yeah. in Detroit. He actually led the entire NBA in points in 2001, but was second in points per game because Allen Iverson so played less bad. games. Yeah, and the Pistons were awful too. So, I mean, you got to give the guy a little bit of credit. Um, he was a part of those last teams before the championship culture returned. Did he? So. Did he? Um, and he was also traded for Rip Hamilton. So, shout out to yep. Stackhouse. But uh, um, was he? What was? What pick was he drafted by? By the Pistons? Do you know that? He was drafted by. Uh, he wasn't drafted by the Pistons, I don't think. Oh, he wasn't. Okay, well, I'm, I'm doing. No. I'm doing. But research. I'll I'll look it up. He was a he was a lottery pick, I believe. I know that's what I'm saying. I was wondering that. Yeah, uh, third what overall by Sixers. Uh, he is he's... the head coach at Vanderbilt. Yeah. Oh. Huh. Good for Jerry. Good for Stack him. House. He's doing all right. He was right. A, he was like a coaching hot commodity in the G League for the Raptors for a while. He also has his number retired at North Carolina. That's pretty impressive. He was nasty at North Carolina. Nasty. At number forty-two, baby. Like they talk about, like they talk about, like why Vince Carter and like Rashid all went there. It's based. I actually no, I think Rashid and him were in the same class. But like they're like, yeah, Jerry Sathouse was that dude. Like he went at North <laughs> Carolina. Like he was that guy. Um, let's go to 43 now. Trent, I want to start with you because I I have a, a Red Wing for this one, but I'm curious as to who, who, who you were able to muster up over there because you don't Trent, know who you this better, guy is. You better have my guy. Anthony Tolliver. Yup, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are – Anthony How many years did oh, he okay. play here? Give me dude, a pass. Three. Dude, I love Anthony Tolliver. I love him. I do too. He's my but... guy. AT. Are you Listen, kidding AT, me? I was Those knee-high socks? Yeah, Are the socks that come all the way up to his knees. I was at yeah. a, a Pistons-Sixers game in 2014 when they were the two worst teams in the East. And I just remember Anthony Tolliver went off. He had like five threes that game. And it love was so hype. I don't know if you've seen a clip, but it's the one where he, like, falls. He gets an and one and then falls onto the baseline. There's, like, this camera guy, like, in his face, and he it's it's like this. He just, like, points at the camera, and yeah, then the crowd starts that. going love nuts. That, I was at that game. I love AT. I, you got to give me a pass to the Red Wings thing. I don't really – I only know the iconic, iconic, iconic Red Wings. I'll say, I'll, I'll say this. Helm, nice piece. I, I, the thing about Darren Helm, though, he, everyone just like was sold. They're like, "Wow, this guy can really skate." <laughs> and then he yeah. got, and then after that, he was like, "Oh, he's all right." Like he's yeah, he's been an all right like piece. But Anthony Tolliver, I'll say this: this is kind of jokingly because I just love Anthony Tolliver for some reason. He was like the Pistons' third best player the year that Blake got traded there. Like he was like better than like his defensive stats <laughs> were like ridiculous. He was like one of the top five like. He had defensive efficiency ratings in the NBA when they didn't make the playoffs, but it was really funny. But shout out to AT, and I love his knee-high socks. Shout out AT. Darren Helm's my guy for 43. Darren Helm, I don't know if – I gosh, I don't know if it was Darren Helm or Gus Nyquist had, like, the unreal 30-second shift against Ottawa. And, like, I don't I don't know if you remember that at all, but I don't know. Darren, Darren Helm, Helm game, game winner right, in Chicago. Wheels, Darren Helm. Uh, that's, for, that's me for 43. Number 44. We may all be in agreement on this one. I want Rick Mahorn. Yep. Has to be. Ooh, Collins? No, Todd Bertuzzi? 
I thought about it, but I had to go with Rick Mahorn just for the fact that he's the Pistons radio guy now. Yeah. And if you've ever if you ever went to a game at the Palace, Rick Mahorn was an absolute force. Every time you saw him walking around the baseline, you're like, he's a big dude. So yeah. people are like, oh, yeah, there's Rick Mahorn. Like yeah, every single game you're at, you're like, oh, look at Mahorn walking around, chatting it up. Like uh, he was a force at those games. So I, I got to give it up to Rick Mahorn and the fact. I, like, don't think about this, but, like, Rick Mahorn, after he left the bad boys, kind of had his own little thing in Philly with, like, Charles Barkley that not a lot of people – what was that? Like, thump and bump? Thump like, and bump. It, what a sick duo. Like, <laughs> like, that is so sick. And I love Barkley, so I'll give the edge to Rick Mahorn. Yeah, look, look quick little piece on Rick Mahorn. There's no bad boys without him. Uh, you, you can argue they, they probably still win the titles – without him because obviously they won in 90 without Rick Mahorn. But after, after, by the way, he was inexcusably not protected in the expansion draft. But who, whoa, 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 whoa. Who are, who are they then protect instead? I don't know. I think they protected Rodman because in uh, yeah, Edwards, was better. Over, over Edwards was better than him. No, I know it makes sense, but I just, I, he's, he started and he was like the enforcer of the team. One of the enforcers, was like six enforcers on that team. So I think it, and don't quote me on this, but I think it came down to John Sally or Rick Mahorn, and obviously people are going to pick Rick Mahorn. No disrespect to John Sally. But, uh, yeah, there's no bad – I don't. you guys have all seen the 30 for 30, the whole thing where Rick Mahorn is like, I'd look at Bill and I'd say, tap, tap. When you say tap, tap, that means no layups. And they just start going hard and, like, hitting guys out of the air. It's the best part of the whole documentary. So, Dude. yeah, Rick Mahorn, 44. Crazy if he played any more than four years, he should have his number in the rafters, but he only played here four years. Crazy thing about Rick Mahorn, he actually played for six years in Detroit. He had a second stint. He played for uh, 18 years, and he didn't average – the most he ever averaged was 12 points. That is insane. To think about, like, his value on the defensive end in locker room meant that much, that he was able to stick around the NBA for 18 years. Shout out to insane. Rick Mahorn. I'm glad that Rick Mahorn is still around the Pistons. That's like a good guy to have to be the face of your team as far as old Oh, guys for sure. Go. For sure. All right, number 45. For me, I went Tiger, Cecil Fielder. My dad, my dad, when Prince Fielder was on the Tigers, never once called Prince Fielder Prince Fielder, always called him Cecil. That's <laughs> great. That is so – that is such ne- a good – And when panic. I say never, I – like, never. Anytime Prince would hit a bomb and be like, Cecil, all right, like, wrong guy. <laughs> And salad. No, the best is that every single time before Prince Fielder was on the Tigers, every dad had this story locked and loaded where it's like, well, when Prince Fielder was 12 years old at Tiger Stadium, yeah. he, in batting practice, he hit one out at Tiger <laughs> Stadium. And, yeah, and that's Cecil's boy. And it's like, yeah. So I, I'll go with Cecil Fielder, too. Cecil Fielder's an all-time name, too. He was a unit. He's he, an all-time name. Cecil? What a yeah. name. <laughs> And they named this kid Prince. Like, are oh, you yeah. kidding? <laughs> so, Collins, you got Cecil Fielder as well? Yeah. Okay, I had it down to him and Adrian Dantley just because I'm a Pistons guy. But I, I ended up going with Cecil. But since you guys already covered that, I'll cover the AD stuff. He gets a bad rap, uh, but he's a really great pr- player. He, I think he averaged – he never averaged less than 20 points for the Pistons. Like, scoring machine. I mean, in an era where, you know, the average – the average a team would score is like 90 points in a game. I just think that's pretty impressive. 
he should have a ring, you know, in 1988 with the Phantom Foul with Bill Beer and Kareem. You know, Adrian Dantley was on that team. And then obviously the Pistons win that year. They probably don't trade him. So I don't know. He ended up being the last piece of the puzzle. Getting rid of him was like the last big move the Pistons made before breaking through and going back to back. But I don't know. Great player. 45. 45 is a strong basketball number. I think MJ kind of popularized it, but like when Denzel Valentine wore it, I kind of liked it. When uh, it, it looked good on Adrian Dantley too. Like 45, good basketball number. Strong number. Seku. Seku. Say, yeah, dude, Seku. Seku. It looks good. I don't know what it – I think you got to be like yeah. a wing, though. You can't be like a 6'1 point guard. guard. Yeah, it yeah. looks weird. But if you're like a 45, that's like 6'5 and a little lengthy. I like it. Yeah, I do too. Good take, All Collins. Right. I completely agree. Good job, Collins. Thank number you. uh number 46 this is a guy my guy for 46 I'll never forget my dad or my family was at Antonio's in Farmington Hills the Italian place I'm sure if you guys have been there and my dad has this incredible baby blue faded like last season commemorative Tiger Stadium shirt and all of a sudden my dad we're just eating dinner and my dad gets up and he walks over to some random table and he like shakes this guy guy's hand and he's like showing him the shirt and it was Dan Petrie that was sitting there eating with his family that my dad disturbed their entire dinner to like shake his hand and he was like rattling off all these numbers about Dan Petrie so that's my guy for 46 that's one of my like that's like a, a little childhood memory of mine when my dad ruined everyone's dinner at Antonio's because he just had to interrupt and say hi to Dan Petrie I'm going to say this before I say Dan Petrie. Was there another 46 in Detroit sports history that you could even remember? No, yes, not, because no. I have a, I have a no. different one, and I didn't know Dan Petrie was 46. I'll let you go first. No, I don't know. I want to hear your I, – I literally – Dan Petrie's like the only recognizable 46. I could couldn't even, couldn't, oh, wait, maybe Don Molbach. Isn't he 46? Or no, no, 40, no he's 48. 48. And he's uh, on my list, so we'll then get no, then, I, then, then no, Listen, I don't have another number. You know who my 46 was? Jose Ooh. Valverde, Papa oh, Gross. Oh, no, what? I like that. Oh, <laughs> that one great year. You know what? It's sacrilegious. He was good for more than that. Well, yeah, but one one amazing year. He was actually yeah. really good for one year. Not a but, favorite of Kelly Collins. He didn't like oh, he didn't hates like his guts. Hated his guts. <laughs> so does every my dad, time, real quick. Every time, sorry, I just have to say, every time on the mound, he walks too many guys. I'm like, Daddy, get some out, though. It doesn't matter. Yeah, there's always him. there's always second and third with one out when Valverde's yeah. on the mound. He gets out of it with ease. It goes it goes strikeout, little ground ball to the mound over to first. Game over. No, dude, listen. Uh, my dad did the same thing. He's always like, he can't walk the leadoff batter, and Valverde does it against. <laughs> Gotta the get Yankees. ahead. Gotta get ahead against against the Yankees in the twenty. It must, I think it was the twenty thirteen ALCS or ALDS, one of those series, whatever. And this game is in like the eleventh inning, and the Tigers are up like. Two, and then he walks the leadoff batter, and someone goes yard. I, I can't remember. Oh, who dude, it was. he and he, my dad just screams, "You suck!" And then like Miles, my mom wake up. It was a huge deal. He, I, I don't, I will never not forget that game because it was like a Friday night, and for some reason I had a middle school football game that night, and I came home all pumped up to watch it, and. Oh my God! And that just—that's the thing. He fell apart that year. After like people forget that he had. I think he had forty-six saves. What was it? I don't know how many it was. Maybe forty-eight. He, he was sure. like four. He was like forty-eight for forty-eight, and then he got in the playoffs and immediately blew two saves. Yeah. <laughs> like immediately. Who, who was it? Who was it? Who hit that bomb? It's bothering me. It was the older uh, guy. He played for the Yankees for a couple different stints. Left-handed. I know who you're talking yeah, about. Bald. Uh, bald. 
What, what oh was my god. Name? Was it Gardner? It wasn't Gardner. No, he's no, right-handed that's... Gardner. I think Gardner's that's what left-handed. What are you talking Is about? He? Get out of here. Yeah, dude. Come on. Since I don't know that, come on. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna look up the roster. For Swisher. No. No. Oh, this is gonna bug me. We think can about move it. on. I'm no, gonna no, come no. Back to this. No, I want to think about this. Matt Holiday. No. He's a right-hander no. though. Who's bald and stood at baseball? Oh, Raul Ibanez. That's what it was. Oh, yeah, dude. I remember that. He was a great Philly. Great Philly. He was a rake. Yeah. Yeah, so he – anyways, he went yard in, like, the bottom of the 11th to tie the game and send it to a 12th inning against Jose Valverde. Shout out, Jose Valverde. I love – Big Potato, whatever. Yeah. Papa Grande. Baked Potato. Big potato, I used to call him that. <laughs> oh, isn't there <laughs> some story about that he had tequila in his water? Bottle? Yeah, every time he would do that, I remember, dude. I can see it in my in my brain right now. He would come out of the bullpen, he take a swig of the water, yeah, he'd spit to the left, right, and center, and he'd do the jump clap into his glove, and then he would go out and give up two home runs, and we'd lose by three runs somehow in the <laughs> ninth inning. But yeah, allegedly it was tequila. I'm like, dude, that's that's gritty. That's yeah, it could cause for some concern. Um, all right, 47. I'm sticking with Tigers pitching. Jack Morris. This should be the number at 47. I'm sure Trent somehow messed this one up. Yeah, um, Tracy Walker. I'm kidding. No, Jack Morris <laughs> has to be Jack Morris. He was bad number. He was, Collins he, hated when Tracy Walker was 47. It. it yeah, Collins made, was like. He made the switch to 21 and got immediately better. He got immediately <laughs> better. Like, That's just a fact. It was that was a you fact. said that though. You said that before he got better. Even you were like. Okay, I like him now. He's number 21. He's going to be good now. And then he was. It was great. Yeah. He said that going into the season. It was a difference maker. It really was. But, uh, yeah, Jack Morris. The thing that's, like, weird about Jack Morris, he's, like, not remembered. I think he is remembered by the people during the time for being, like, a Tiger. Like, he has, like, this weird thing in, like, history where he's kind of sort of remembered, like, as a twin a little bit because he had that legendary game with the Twins and had that legendary playoff run. But, like, when I was younger, before I, like, actually did research and realized, like, oh, he was on the Tigers for, like, nine years and was their best, like, pitcher for a lot of those years, I was like, oh, the guy who's on the Twins and does the Twins telecast. No, I, like, I don't know. Jet Morris has got that, like, weird Isaiah Thomas feeling where he's, like, not remembered for how good he was in the Detroit uniform. Yeah, that's, that's just me. That's... Is that just no, I, I feel the same way because he, for one, he was a part of other legendary teams like those, the Blue Jays teams and the Twins and what? Yeah. Who else did he pitch for? The Indians, maybe. I don't know. I should definitely know this, but I think I, he did pitch for the Indians, like for one year. That sound, maybe that sounds right. But anyways, Jack Morris, four All Stars. He was the ace on the '84 Tigers. Uh, his numbers retired in Detroit. Not bad. He has a no hitter. Oh. Led the AL in strikeouts, led the MLB in wins, all wearing a Detroit Tigers uniform. So he has to be the has to be the guy forty seven. And he stinks as a broadcaster. My well, God, I don't lineup. like him at puts, all, dude. Don't like him at uh, all. Puts me asleep each game. The Tigers gotta figure out their TV booth. Like yeah, I, I miss like, Mario and Rod so much, dude. I can't dude, even explain it to you. My biggest thing ever is when people will be like, God, I hate Rod. Or I like, I'm like dude, yeah, it. screw you. My, my uncle David can't stand. I'm like, dude, you got to chill because Rod's the best in the game. <laughs> Rod's awesome. Unreal. Rod's dude, awesome. Dude, I can't believe I didn't pick him for 12. Like, <laughs> that, he was my favorite. When he would do like, oh, I see a big fella, I would get so fired up. Or like you said, oh, that's country strong. Like he had all these great like, – <laughs> yeah. 
gimmicks, and he he was actually sort of knowledgeable about the game. But the only thing yeah. that like I think the pissed the older people off about Rod Allen is how he acts like he was on the '84 Tigers. He, he got a ring. And, no, he did. He was on the team, but like he didn't really play. I think he batted well, one twelve yeah, that year for the, yeah. for the Tigers. Yeah, but didn't he take like eight at bats? So it's like it's even worse than one twelve. It's hey, stop. He he's my Tiger. Forever and always. Uh, okay. Yep. 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 All right. But yeah, to that point, though, real quick, my grandpa was always like, why is he always doing that? Why is he holding his ring up in front of the camera? I, I don't remember that guy. And I don't know. It's just whatever. But Dude, I, I love Gibby, like Michigan State guy. Like, he was nasty at football and baseball. But, like, he kind of stinks, too. Like, I, no, no offense. He's kind of funny. <laughs> He's not a very good it's, broadcaster. It's also kind of weird how- it's also kind of I. He obviously has health issues, so I can't like. That's like I understand that's a part of it, but also it's kind of weird. He has like a job with the Tigers, and he's just like allowed to do that. <laughs> like, yeah, is he like that's, an advisor? That is funny. Yeah, he's an advisor, I think, to the front office. Yeah, that's wild to me. All right, we go to forty-eight now. I'm gonna go Tiger again, Tory Hunter. Yep, yep. Team art, whatever. Okay. Team arts, team knots, right? T-Mart? I don't know. I just said it. I, I, I had something in my mind, and I just said it. That's definitely not right. Wasn't it T-Nuts? Isn't that what they called him? Who knows? That's He's what his sick, Instagram dude. handle is, I think. Okay, okay he, whatever. No, you can go for it. You can talk about Tori. Sadly, he will always be remembered for the Ortiz home run in a yeah. Detroit, Detroit Tigers uniform. But very sneaky, underrated player first time in, like, Detroit. Like, he was good when he like, – yeah. Oh, dude, when he was young, too, he was unreal to watch. I remember, like, growing up watching Torrey Hunter. Like, he was, like, the outfielder. No, he was nasty on the Twins. And then he kind of went to the Angels and wasn't really the same. Like, he just, like, wasn't the same guy that he was on Minnesota. But, like, when he came over to the Tigers, he was a productive player. He was a good guy out of the two-hole. He was productive. He had a lot of clutch hits. I think he had that wa- – did he have a walk-off Grand Slam? It might have been Raja Davis. But I remember him having one against Davis. the eight. I remember Torrey Hunter having a walk-off home run against Sean Doolittle of the A's, too. So, that, that I could be confusing that. But, like, Torrey Hunter had some big hits, played a really good right field. And I, I when they signed him, I was like, ah, uh, kind of a weird signing, like, at the end of his career. Like, yeah, this is interesting. And he was productive. So, that was a good move by Dave Dombrowski. So, I will not lie. That's who I, like, thought of initially. And then – and then, oh, Don Milbach. Don Milbach, dude, he's been alliance since two thousand four. Yeah, is it Don or Terry? Let's let's Don. talk about this for a second. That's Don fair. Milba- Milbach has been through more losing seasons than probably any other NFL player ever, like in one career. This dude, he's also made the Pro Bowl twice as a long snapper. Something that I like Shout to out. say is three things in life are certain, death, taxes, and Don Muehlbach. He's going to play for the Lions until he can't physically bend over and snap the ball anymore. So this I've, dude, I, pretty incredible. I know, like, people don't really know what jersey number he wears and stuff because he's not really in the spotlight ever. He never gets his name mentioned on the broadcast or anything. But he wears 48. He's worn 48 for 16 years. So I got to give the nod to this dude. Even though I did think of Tory Hunter at first, of course, like 48 Tory Hunter. I will say this about Don Muehlbach. What a life that guy has. Like, like I understand you got to chase down, like, the kick returner and stuff and got to get the snap right. Like, it's a thankless job. But, like, he's been cash and chat since 04, long snapping. Like, that is a good racket. 
that is a good racket. Like being a long snapper and a punter, I think are like the stresses, like well, least stressful jobs I think in professional sports, arguably. Unless you're bad at it, which he's not bad at it. So like you gotta give him credit for that. The thing yeah. I love about Dom Mulebach is, like, he's just – only the Lions, like, have their – some of their most famous players are, like, special teamers. Like, or Jason so, yeah, Hansen, yeah, Don yeah. Mulebach. Like, those are the guys. Like, you think of, like, Lions legends. You're like, yeah. Eddie our Murray. Kicker, our kicker and, like, our long snapper. And even, like, Dominic Raiola is, like, a guy that's like, sticks in my mind. The guy who was here forever. Whatever Dude, happened I, to him? Uh, he just kind of retired. He, his daughter actually went to my high school. but uh, Really? Yeah, but Dominic Raiola – I don't know. She was way younger than me. But uh, Dominic Raiola, I will say this. One of the most overrated Lions players maybe of all time. Yeah. He wasn't wasn't good. And, like, just because he kind of, like, had an attitude, people, like, loved him. Yeah, he kept resigning. Yeah, he was the heart of the city. It was Dominic Raiola. (laughs) Yeah. Our middle of the pack center. And they start – they start pushing him out for this Travis Swanson kid, and everyone's all pissed off about it. I don't know. So it's kind of funny. The thing about it, though, like, I liked Raiola, too. Like, I, I'm just saying, like, having, like, 20-20 vision looking back, I'm like, he really was not that good. But I was like, you know yeah. what? Yeah, yeah, keep Raiola around. He's had a good Madden, Madden rating. The Lions were so bad, he would always have, like, the highest Madden rating. Yeah. Yep. You're scrolling through the rosters, and he's like the guy at the very top. It's like, wow, Dominic Raiola, 92. He must be doing (laughs) things. Yeah. All right, 49. I had to go back to the the history books here. I went with Mickey Stanley. Ooh, shout out. I don't know who else. I, I, again, Dixon Machado, I was thinking about too for 49, but Mickey Stanley's the guy because I don't know anyone else that has wore 49 in this city. Uh, I did go with Ditson Machado because I, I – That's inexcusable. <laughs> Mine's Just, even more inexcusable, so I'll let Collins finish his piece and then you guys I'm get the kick I, out of mine, I imagine. Ditson Machado, shout out to him. The one m- memory I have about Ditson Machado, I think it was like week two of the season, my freshman year at State. I'm just sitting in my dorm and I didn't have a Friday class that semester, and he just hit a random walk-off home run. So after he hit that walk-off home run, I was like, you know what? I think this guy can stick. And then he batted like <laughs> he batted like 180. But I was like, you know what, dude? <laughs> like, let's keep rolling with him. Even though he's not even that good of a defensive second baseman. I was like, yeah. oh, D- Ditson Machado is such a cool name. And he hit that one walk-off home run. Big in moments. Meeting, yeah, in a meaningless game against the Baltimore Orioles in the middle of April. But, hey. Dixon Machado was my guy. So Dude, I was I used to be the biggest Dixon Machado apologist. I was like, just let him get his feet wet in the in the show. He'll be all right. Like, hit, I was <laughs> he like, was never I was good. like, the hands will the hands will come around. I'll start hitting better. And then he just never did. And then all of a sudden he was down in AAA and then he was gone on a different team. And then he now he's playing in Korea or whatever. Yeah, shout out KBO Legend, Dixon Machado. Yeah. Um, so as far as my number 49 goes. Couldn't really think of anybody except Dixon Machado. Trent Valley. <laughs> 49. I was hoping Trent you guys Valley. would have, like, you know, some legend or something that I don't know about. Mickey Stanley, here's, baby. Here's who I got. Here's what I got. You ready for this? Julian Stanford. You know who that is? No. He played for the Detroit Lions no on special teams from 2013 to 2014. I know him because of Madden. I know what number he wore because he was always the guy. On the right side, lining up to block the field goal, and I blocked so many field goals with Julian Stanford. That's my final answer, 49. I know it's a made-up guy. 
Yeah, is he real? Oh, no, like, no, no, no. Him he's, in there. He's still, he's still, I don't think he's in the league, but he played for the Bills for a year, I think I saw. Um, I don't know. Um, what college did he go to? Let's get some factoids about Julian Stanford. He went well, to Wagner College. Wow. He's only Legend. 29. And he went undrafted in 2012. He played him. for two years. Oh, yeah, he played for the Bills last year. He's still in the league. Let's go. Free agent now. Free agent right now, but yeah. Shout out Julian Sanford. Whatever. <laughs> All right, let's go to 50 here to wrap up our most iconic players slash Ryan Collins' favorite players. Number 50, this is like one of the one of the names that always pops up on this show is Ernie Sims, just for some reason of us just like thinking about old <laughs> Lions players. That's and I think I it was – it might have been someone's Who Am I? Or I think Trent might have guessed Ernie Sims on one of the Who Am I's. But number 50, Ernie Sims. I don't think Ernie Sims was 50 for the Lions, dude. He was. Yeah, I he, was. he was. He, he was. I can see the was. black jersey so vividly. Oh, you are right. Yep, Ernie Sims out of Florida State, the speedster. I <laughs> thought he was next when they drafted him. I also was like seven years old, maybe a little bit younger than that. But I remember having mad, and I was like, ooh, Ernie Sims in 83 as a rookie? Are yep, you kidding good. me? This guy's next. And he also, he was like one of the first guys to have one of those Revolution helmets, and he had the visor with it. So I was yeah. all in on him. I was like, you know what? This guy is, is about the future, not he about the past. <laughs> yeah, he gets it. He looked the part. He yeah, always awesome. looked the part, Ernie Sims, in that black jersey, too, which they should bring back, by the way. No, they should not. No, they not. shouldn't. That jersey Isn't it like the black jersey? Absolutely not. No, they're not. bad. It looks the bla- cool. the bla- It symbolizes horrible, horrible seasons. The Lions should never have black in their jerseys. It should just strictly be Honolulu blue and silver. That's just my Fair. opinion. Agreed. I love that. In white, they got to make the, the numbers white on the blue jerseys. I'll take it to the grave. I'll say it all the time. My, my guy at 50, dude, I, I had Ernie Sims. Some other guys I thought of, though. <laughs> Joel Anthony, remember him for the Pistons? Dude, Rolled shout the out. Rolled the bench. Not Brian really, Holiday. Not really, no. The Brian catcher? Holiday. Yes. <laughs> I kind of like Brian? B. Holiday. Dude, Brian Holiday's best thing that he brought to the Detroit Tigers is that one time that he did – he, like, showed up in a Kate Upton, like, uh, swimsuit for, like, team morale, like, to get the boys going, like, on a road <laughs> trip. He, like, showed up in, like, a one-piece. And everyone's like, you know what, Brian Holiday, good guy for the locker room. Dude, who's the – you guys, I don't know if you're going to you're gonna remember who I'm talking about, but this year the Tigers brought up some random catcher who looked like he was, like, my dad. He was, like – he looked like he was 39 years old. Wilson? Is it somewhat something Wilson? But he Vance looked like Wilson. he was like – Was it? Yeah. He looked like Number he was like 13. 39. Uh, no, hold on. Are you I'll, talking I'll, about Vance Wilson? Are you talking about the backup for Pudge, like back in the day? No, 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 no. It was it was this year. This year. The oh, okay. Roster 20. Hold on. Let me let me find this guy. He looked like he was – Jared Saltalamachia. No, come on. Salty. Yeah. Shout out Salty. I, yeah, I forget. Where is this guy? Can I find this guy, please? I don't know. But all I know is this guy was, like, up for the Tigers for – I don't even know where he came from. I can't find him. It's going to kill me. He looked like he was 40 years old and, like, 50 pounds overweight, and he was a backup catcher. I can't find him. I don't know why I can't find him. I don't Brian think anyone Pena. knows who you're talking about. No, it's not Brian Pena. I know who Brian Pena is. <laughs> he might be this my This guy doesn't even five. exist. He doesn't even he, exist, this guy. 
Yeah, dude, this is a dream you had. By the way, do you know who Ernie Sims got traded for? No. Who? Tony Scheffler. Really? Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Jeez. That's kind of a good trade. A, I was going to say, that's a successful trade on paper. Who was this guy? Dude, get, give it up, Rabs. You don't know who you're talking about. I'm going to text you guys <laughs> when I find it. But Okay, please way, do. I got to go with Detroit it. Tigers fat catchers in 2019. Gerald Laird, number one on the list. G Money. He has to be number one. Go. Kidding me? Gerald Laird? I see you, G Money. G Money was my guy. Bobby Wilson. Bobby Wilson. Bobby Wilson. Look him up. Bobby Wilson. He is 37. He manages a double A team now after just playing for the Tigers this last year. (laughs) Okay, I see. Yeah. Yep. Look at him, Collins. Check him out. Bobby Wilson. All right, well, that's, that's going to be it for our iconic numbers. Do we have a Who Am I, Collins? Are you prepared? Yes, to we one? do. Yes, After we do. Our, uh, obviously, uh, last time we tried to do a Who Am I, which was, I think, two or three weeks ago, Ryan Collins read the name of the player as he was scrolling through his Wikipedia page, so we had to It was a good wiki. And... It, was a, it was a very in-depth Wikipedia page, so I was thrown <laughs> off. It was the Wikipedia page's fault that made me give that in- information out presumptuous presumptuous <laughs> that was good wording right yeah that was that was pretty solid i'll give it to you uh, i think what okay. you meant to say was prematurely but presumptuous yes, works but too. hey it takes it happens <laughs> i don't even know what i'm saying at this point it's i'm just okay. like trying trying to get my vocab up and it's just not going well who am i me and collins are five and two trent is three and three big week for trent to stay in the race gotta hope for a win and a loss for me but collins whenever you're ready let's bring it okay you guys ready yep I, I, I'm going to do this with the who am I. I'm not going to go like long, like stupid facts like sometimes I do. I'm just going to keep it short and simple. I'm going to give you like five or six facts that should help you out, okay? Yep. Okay. This pl- I am a professional basketball player, okay? Give you, cool. give you a short, simple one. Cool. I went to two universities during my college career. In 1997 to 1999, I attended Wichita State University. From 2000 to 2001, I went to the University of Texas. In the 2001 NBA draft, I went undrafted. I was picked up by the Minnesota Timberwolves in 2001 and 2010 and played 10 games. After two years overseas, I came back and played the 2004 and 2005 season with the Sacramento Kings. After that season, I signed with the Detroit Pistons from 2005 to 2006. Okay, uh, I'm going to give you guys a little break. you have any idea who I'm talking about? Not a clue, dude. I, Not really. Know. No. The whole college Not even close. Me off. He was reunited with his former coach and close friend, Flip Saunders, when he signed with the Detroit Pistons in 2006. Oh, dude. Okay. Okay. On on June eight June twenty eighth two thousand six, the Pistons traded me to the Los Angeles Lakers for the draft rights of Chick Siam. Following my request to be moved from the team, it would give me more playing time. He me served as a bench player and backup to Kobe Bryant on the Los Angeles Lakers. Kyle, you're uh, you're all over the map. I he we I. Yeah. Me, you're just reading the Wikipedia page. 
Yeah, because I have these things typed out. I copy and paste them into my oh, okay. notes folder. Okay, okay, all right. Sorry. Keep going. Keep Sorry. Going. I don't really have a guess, but keep going. The next season, alongside with teammate Brian Cook, we were traded to the Orlando Magic in exchange for Trevor Ariza. Is that it? Dude. My final fact. <laughs> my final last two facts, which are strictly just feel. For the Detroit Pistons, I wore the number five. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I got him. Okay. And yep. I was bald. Collins, I got him, I think. I think. Not even close. Not oh, even close. No? No. Ryan Rabinowitz has answered, and he is completely incorrect. <laughs> You're really you think confident. I wore five? Yeah, but I, I... – Oh, <laughs> dude, this is going to bug me. I'm so good with jersey numbers, and I don't know. I can't think. Oh, man. No, that uh... – that's my uh, guess, Tom. I have, like, two other names in my head, but I, I know they're not even close to correct. How about Actually, this? once Trent texts you, I want to I throw my other two names out there. Okay. How about this? I'll give one more sort of fact. In 2017, I joined the Killer Threes of the Big Three Basketball League, playing alongside coach player Charles Oakley, Chauncey Billups, and Steven Jackson. Dude, I'm down to two guys, and I that might have helped. Oh, yeah, that might have really helped. Wrong. My guy's really wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was laughing about. That's a great name, huh? How much you, time do I got? I want to know who your guy was. But I might no, I, no you can't do that. <laughs> that's just not yeah, a you don't no, get no, to no, know no. who my guy is. Okay, okay. I'm texting Collins. I'm going to go with it. Ah! <laughs> two people. Collins, I'm – one second. I'm a mess. I'm a mess right now. I'm trying to type in your name. Okay. I said it. And Trump Valley is correct. Let's no, go! no, he's not. <laughs> yes, the answer, <laughs> the answer was Mo Evans. Oh. No idea who that is, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. My guess was I. I was so confident in my guess. Corey Maggette? No, Horace Jenkins. Trent's too young. Trent's too young to know who Horace Jenkins was. He's two years younger than you. (laughs) Too young. Did he wear five? Yes. Oh, he did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's not bad. That's not a bad pick. Same era, too. It it actually wasn't a bad – you were really confident once I said he was bald. You were like, oh, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Five and bald. Five and bald. Wow, Trent Bailey moves to four and three. I dropped to Dude, five and three. That, Unreal. That was big. That was big. Mo Evans, though. That. Shout out Mo Evans. Journeyman. Only really no played. Idea. How many games did he even play with the Pistons? Oh, yeah, I know who Mo Evans is. Sorry. I do know who Mo Evans is. He was pretty the good. College the college thing threw me off from the start, college. I had no idea he played at two colleges. Both played no pretty idea. good programs. Yeah, same. I had no idea he went to Wichita State. I had this ready to roll for yesterday. And I was, like, doing some research. I was, like, there's no really interesting Mo Evans facts, and I can't tell you, like, a defining, like, Detroit moment. But I was, like, there's, here's a random guy who played on a – Uh-oh. I said Collins freeze. Gross. Collins, you froze. What did you say? No, I didn't. <laughs> he did. Did I? No. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> Dude, I'm looking up now. I can't now. I can't use Horace Jenkins. The only NBA experience Horace Jenkins had was an 0405 for the Pistons. Got his ring and got out. Imagine Dude, that. wait. So hold up. So you that that's pretty impressive then that you knew that. Because we only better, played here for one Horace year. Horace Jenkins or Ronald Dupree. Ronald Dupree, number 12, another bald guy. <laughs> he was super bald, Ronald Dupree. Horace no, Jenkins, I don't yeah, think Dupree was bald. He was bald. Dude, he was don't, a t- don't test me on bald guys that played for the Pistons. Ronald Dupree was the guy in NBA Live for like three years who was just a free agent, but he was just like – he wasn't playing for any team, but he technically didn't retire, so he's like in the free agent pool when you're playing NBA Live. You can sign time. him. Yeah. All right. Well, well that, that was, was good. Minute. That was good, Collins. That was a good, good one. Good job, Collins. And full disclosure, I probably wouldn't have gotten it until you gave me the bonus clue that Rabs didn't hear, but Rabs also submitted his answer before I did. So I was so confident, dude. All I needed was four, what, five involved as a chorus. <laughs> <laughs> Roll the balls out, Horace Jenkins. Fantastic name. All right. Well, that was a good show, guys. I'm glad we're uh, back in the swing of things. We'll be back again next week, obviously. Um, Other than that, I hope you guys stay safe. And I miss you guys. If you want to come up to East Lansing ever again, it'd be a pleasure to see you. Oh yeah, we'll we'll get it together. One of you guys. One of you guys stand up. Stand up to your mom and say you're coming back to East Lansing to see your friend Rabs. Take a stand. Risk my career. Risk it all to take a stand against Aaron Valley. Yeah. Good luck. Once the studio's open, I'll be up there. All right, fair enough. Well, uh, we'll wrap it up for today's episode of the Motown Rundown for Trent Bailey and Ryan Collins. I'm Ryan Rabinowitz. Submit any questions, comments, or suggest topics for the show at Motown underscore Rundown on Twitter or on Facebook at the Motown Rundown page. Don't miss a single episode of the show. We're on Apple Podcasts and we're on Spotify. New episodes every week. We will see you next time.